Well, hello everyone. Pastor Trent here again this week, and I want to welcome you to another edition of Wednesdays in the Word of God, a time when we're going to open up God's Word and read, rest, and reflect on the truths that we find in it, and praying that we can apply these truths to our lives. Uh, if you're reading along with us, we're using the F260 Bible Reading Plan from Replicate Ministries. Uh, they are 260 days of reading the foundational text from Genesis to Revelation. It's a very good Bible reading plan. Uh, it helps build a Christian and biblical worldview as we go through it. Uh, this week's a very interesting week. Uh, we're looking at Genesis 27 through Genesis 37, uh, really focusing on the life of Isaac's son, Jacob, and a little bit on Esau as well. Uh, and I don't know about you, but when I read uh, these chapters, I'm reminded of the TV show Dallas from a long time ago. Uh, that TV show was filled with envy and jealousy and deception and conniving, and everybody was trying to cheat everybody else. Uh, everybody was trying to get ahead and be tricksters and um, and just very selfish. And that's what we really see here is a lot of deception, a lot of envy, a lot of jealousy, um, so people can get ahead. Um, but what we also see is reconciliation as we get into the end of our reading this week. The first act of deception that we see is when Jason, when Jacob's mother, who wants him to have Isaac's birth or Isaac's blessing. You see, Isaac has sent Esau out, uh, to kill some wild game to make a stew. And then Esau, and then Isaac is going to bless Esau, who is the firstborn. But, Jacob's mother wants Jacob to receive that blessing. And so she is very deceptive and Jacob is as well. She, she, she cooks the food that is supposedly killed by Esau, but it's not. She puts fur up and down Jacob's arms and neck because Esau was hairy and she took advantage of Isaac's eyesight. And so she tricked him into giving the blessing to Jacob. Well, that makes Esau mad and makes Esau angry. So Jacob has to leave and he's leaving to go to Laban, his mother's brother, uh, in order to find a wife and to get away from Esau. But then when he gets there, Jacob is deceived. The shoe gets put on the other foot. Jacob wants to marry Rachel. Jacob wants to spend his life with Rachel. So he goes into an agreement with Laban and he, he fulfills his part of that agreement but Laban sends in uh, Leah to marry Jacob. Well, that's deceptive. Uh, so Jacob has to work some more, and he eventually marries Rachel. But now he's got all kinds of problems because there's envy and jealousy uh, between those two over childbearing. And they go through this long list of things. It's very complex. It's very complicated. It's very messy. But through all of it, God was at work. You see, God has always been working in history and through history to accomplish his ultimate goal, his ultimate plan. See, none of this surprised God, even though they're living lives that are not worthy of the covenantal, the covenant promise. They're not living worthy of being called by God, but God is still working. God's grace is still going to be demonstrated because through all of this, through these corrupted, corrupted relationships came 12 sons 
who would eventually become the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. Even better yet, the one son named Judah would be the heir, would start the lineage that would eventually be the line of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God is at work hundreds of years before Jesus is born. God is working. God is providing. God is sustaining. God is creating the ultimate path for redemption and reconciliation between humanity and himself. See, God is always faithful. God is always sovereign. And in the following chapters, we read how Jacob will prosper, how Jacob will wrestle with God, how Jacob will learn to be completely dependent upon God's sufficiency and God's grace. And then we see, we come to this moment years later where Jacob and Esau come together again. The two brothers who are at odds with each other, Jacob stealing Esau's birthright earlier than Esau's blessing, they come together and they reconcile. And this is the verse that really just stands out to me um, at this conversation. Jacob is offering gifts, uh, has sent gifts ahead to try to appease Esau. He, he's trying to make atonement for his wrongdoing by sending Esau gifts. In verse 8 of chapter 33, Esau says, What do you mean by this whole procession I met? So Esau has met these processions, which in children and wives and servants uh, meant as gifts to Esau. Here's how Jacob responds in verse 9. I have er, to find favor with you, my Lord, he answered. I have enough, my brother Esau replied. Keep what you have. In verse 10, I love it. But Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor with you, take this gift from my hand. For indeed, I have seen your face and it is like seeing God's face since you have accepted me. That's a powerful verse. Because Esau has moved from anger to compassion. He's moved away from wanting to kill Jacob to reconciling with Jacob. And Jacob says, I see God's face because you have accepted me. God, through the acceptance, Jacob sees God's work. Man, that's powerful. You know, we try to, you know, life is messy. Our lives are messy. People are messy. We make mistakes. All of us make mistakes, just like Jacob. Just like Esau, we make mistakes. We're not perfect. And we're not going to be till we're in heaven with the Lord. And we try to atone for those mistakes. We try to offer up gifts for those mistakes. We try to work our way into goodwill with God, but we don't have to. Through Jesus Christ, God accepts us just the way we are. Through Jesus Christ, who is going to be of the line of Judah, God has forgiven us. God has restored us. And we can be reconciled with God through faith alone in Christ Jesus by grace alone. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Is that we all make bad choices, but God and only God can redeem even the biggest mistakes and even the biggest messes we make. 
So let me ask you this. Where do you need God to work in your life? Where do you need to experience reconciliation? Maybe you need to be reconciled with God. You know, we say a lot of times that we need to accept Jesus into our heart, but I'm not sure that's what we need to do. What we need to do to be reconciled to God is to repent and believe. Turn away from this world and its ways and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to follow him. If you need to be reconciled with God today, if, you, if you've been searching and trying to work your way into heaven, I want you to know it's not going to work. All you have to do is turn away from your sins, turn away from this world, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will forgive you. He will accept you just as you are. And then he'll begin a work in you that is like nothing else. And he'll begin to transform you from the inside out. But maybe there's relationships that you need to reconcile. Maybe it's parents and children who are struggling to get along and there needs to be reconciliation. Take it to the Lord. God is a God of reconciliation and he has the power to restore our relationships here on earth as well. Maybe it's a friendship that's gone astray. Seek the Lord's wisdom and he will help you reconcile that relationship. May God bless you for the rest of this week.